fuck it. <laughs> I don't have uh, I don't have an intro made, so <laughs> let's just do some wannabe gangster shit real quick. Fuck it, let's go. Welcome to Nabi, covering sports of all sorts. If there's any breaking news, you know we got the report. Our one and only goal is to make this your podcast resort. Get you your favorite team updates, both on and off of the court. Breaking down everything. NFL, NBA, MMA, not much a soccer fan, but might even cover Team USA. Is KD leaving Golden State? Is Jordan really the GOAT? Is LeBron comfortable in LA? We'll keep the team afloat. If GSP fights Khabib, we fight him toe to toe. While the Fury rematch, who's always gonna go? We'll cover everything and anything you wanna know. Whatever it may be, we'll break it all down on the show. That's just fucking so dope now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Nabi Podcast. I am your host, Sani Nabi. Uh, before we get started, quick mentions, if you don't already know by now, Nabi Podcast is on Spotify and iTunes. If you are a user on either platform, search me up and please subscribe to the show. As always, greatly appreciated. Shout out to the supporters so far. Please keep sharing. Uh, keep telling other sports and combat sports fanatics about the show. I love all you motherfuckers. <laughs> Seriously, for real though. Every fucking one of you. I love you all. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to PG Audio for mixing and mastering my intro, as you hear. It sounds so much fucking better, and, and I am just so grateful for his work. Um, I recorded each vocal track over with the new mic, and asked. Um, I found him and I asked if he could get everything mixed, mastered, and edited by the time I recorded this episode. And he got it done uh, faster than expected and listened to every detail that I requested. Uh, if you're looking to get your songs mastered by someone who really knows what the fuck they're doing... Go on Fiverr.com and search him up, uh, PG Audio. Very affordable and great fucking work. He does not fuck around. Thanks again, PG. Uh, Last but not least, very excited to announce my first partnership. Um, You know, it's a non-profit partnership, but nonetheless, I'm fucking excited, man. This is dopey shit. And what, you know, what better way to fucking start with partnership than my local boxing gym, Champs Boxing. If you are in the Danbury area or nearby and... You know, or you know, even out of state, and don't mind the drive. Looking for a dope ass boxing gym to train at? Don't hesitate to check out Champs Boxing Gym. It is in Danbury. Great people, great environment. Amazing. It's an amazing environment. Also, they uh, they throw a yearly summer amateur boxing event, and this year's coming up is um, it's coming up on June twenty second, this Saturday, matter of fact, at the War Memorial in Danbury. Go to the gym for tickets, or you can buy the tickets right out the door at the event. Uh, my stupid ass did not write down the address of the gym. Um, Google is your best friend. <laughs> Search him up on Google. The address will come right up. Uh, yeah, go, you know, go out and support your local fighters, man. You never know. You might be buying their pay-per-views one day. You never fucking know. All right, on to the show. What is up once again? This is episode six, and uh, this episode will be a preview and breakdown of UFC Fight Night 154, taking place this Saturday also, June 22nd. It is going to be a featherweight, five-round featherweight bout between Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, versus Hinato Moikano. Fucking dope-ass fucking main event, man. I can't wait for this shit. Um, I just want to, like, get into it right now, get into the main event right now, but that'll be the that'll be the last. Um, yeah, so let's break down the, uh, the fight card. Starting in the main card, uh, it's the five-round main event between the Korean zombie, who is 14-5-0, versus Hinato Moikano. 13, 4, and 1. 
In the co-main event, it is a bantamweight bout between John Lineker, Hands of Stone, 31-9-0 versus Rob Boston Strong Font, 16-4-0. Great fucking fight. If you heard um in uh in the last I think two episodes no, I think it was last episode, um talking about the recent combat sports. No, no, no. I think it was two episodes ago. I think I kind of broke that fight down, but I'm really excited about that fight. It is actually a rematch from a fight in 2016, I believe. Uh, I got the notes down here. We'll get into that. Before that, it is a welterweight bout between Brian Barbarena, 14-6-0, against Randy Rudebutt Brown. <laughs> Randy Rudebutt Brown, 10-3-0. Uh, before that, it is a women's flyweight bout between Andrea Lee, who is 10-2-0, versus Montana De La Rosa, 10-4-0. Uh, before that, to kick off the main card, it is a middleweight bout between Kevin Holland, who is 14-4-0, versus Alessio D. Uh, Chiricchio. <laughs> I probably butchered that name, but if, you've, <laughs> if you're not new to the show, I butcher a lot of names, and it, it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> On the prelims, we got a... Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, there it is. My bad, my bad. I got a fucking... Uh went onto the wrong page by accident on the prelims the feature prelim bouts it is a featherweight bout between dan Ige 11-2-0 versus kevin aguilar uh 17-1-0 great fucking fight big fan of dan Ige. that fucker always brings it always love watching him fight uh before that it is a woman's strawweight bout between ashley yoder 6-4-0 versus siuri kondo 6-2-0 before that is a lightweight bout between matt wyman 16-7-0 versus Luis Pena, 6-1-0. Before that, it is a heavyweight bout. Alan Crowder, 10-3-0. One-no contest versus Jairinzo. Jairz... Jai, fucking A. Jairzinho. There we go. Boom, bitch. <laughs> Jairzinho Rosenstuik. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, him. 7-0-0. Oh, oh. Before that, it is a woman's flyweight bout. Ariane... Ar- God damn it, what is wrong with me today? Ariane Lipsky, 11-4-0 versus Molly McCann, 8-2-0. Uh, before that, mid- is a middleweight bout between Darren Wynn, 5-0-0 oh, oh, versus Eric Spicelli. Spicelli is actually taking this fight on five days notice. Uh, he's also making his UFC uh, return with this fight. Uh, props to him for taking this fight because I really wanted to see Darren um, fight. Uh, Spicelli 12-4-0. And to kick off the event, it is a bantamweight bout between Andre Ewell, 14-5-0, versus Anderson Dos Santos, 27-0. Um, Andre Ewell, I, we've talked a couple times on uh, Instagram a couple years ago. This is, this is when he was maybe like four fights into his uh, pro career. Really cool guy. Uh, looking forward to seeing him fight. Um, I'm not going to be breaking down that fight. Um, so the way I'm going to do this event, I'm going to break down two of the prelim fights that I'm most interested in and um, the rest of the main card in general. So, um, yeah, two of the prelim fights that I'm interested in, I'm going to break down. The first one is going to be the middleweight bout between Darren Wynn versus Eric Spicelli. Uh, we're going to start with um, the last three fights of Darren Wynn. Uh, Darren Wynn is undefeated, 5-0, as I said, with 4 KO, TKOs. This is his UFC debut. Um, this is his third different opponent scheduled. Uh, like I said, Spicelli's taking this fight on five days' notice. Props to him. 
uh, wins last three fights, starting with Tom Lawler. He was um, he was a UFC vet, matter of fact, not a vet, but he was in the UFC a couple years. He won that fight by unanimous decision, and that was on November 2018 on the atrocious Golden Boy MMA event that I mentioned the other <laughs> the other episode. I hope I hope uh, I hope Chuck Liddell is that right. <laughs> Uh, it breaks my heart every time I think about that motherfucking event. Should have never happened. That fight should never happened. Um, <laughs> before that fight though, Ahmed White he won that fight by KO in round one, and that was in May of 2018, and that was a Bellator uh, fight, and that was his only fight at Bellator. Before that, he fought uh, Cody Sons. He won that round one TKO, and that was in September of 2017 in a promotion called URCC, and this was their 32nd event. Um. Going to Spicelli, his last three fights. He was cut from the UFC last year and then went on a two-fight KO streak since. Uh, now he's, like I said, like I keep mentioning, making his uh, return on five days' notice. His last fight was against a buddy of mine, matter of fact, uh, Caio Magalesh. Um, damn. I guess he won that fight and he knocked him out in round one in March of this year. Uh, wow, not too long ago. Yeah, Caio's a, he's a, he's a good friend, man. He's a really good guy. Um, I didn't know that. I did not know that. Sad to sad to see that. Kayo, hope all is well. Um, come back strong, brother. I know you can. Uh, before that, uh, Spicelli fought Leo Pla. He won that by Kayo in round one in January of this year. So he, he was busy this year. Okay. Um, and before that was his last fight in the UFC before getting cut. And he fought Darren Stewart and he lost that fight by KO in round two in May 2018. Um, yeah, this is, it's going to be an interesting fight. I mean, uh, you know, with the level of competition that Wynn has fought and he's a, he's not a big middleweight at all. This guy is 5'5 five, five fighting at middleweight. <laughs> fucking nuts but yeah let's get into it the we get right into the three keys to victory we'll start with darren win uh number one would be don't try to stand a bang with spicelli spicelli is coming in on a two-fight ko streak you can't take that kind of chance especially when your specialty is not striking by any means you know what i mean he wins his fights by k like he has four of his uh four of his five wins by ko um but those were you know the result of ground and pound off of his wrestling don't make this a boxing match don't do that uh, number two, get takedown after takedown and control him. Get 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 on the ground all fight. Darren is a very praised and multiple time college wrestling champ, and he's also the protege of um current heavyweight champ Daniel Cormier. And it would be very dumb not to stick to what made him undefeated so far and grind Spicelli out and exhaust him and get the TKO on the ground. Uh, Spicelli is the much much taller fighter. And, um, you know, it, it, that should make the takedowns a lot easier for when um, he's number three. He's a very confident kid and has the right to be because of his college, um, you know, his college wrestling attributes and his college uh, background um, and how he's dominated in his wrestling days. But, you know, I say it all the time. UFC jitters are very much fucking real. And if he wants to go in there and do his fucking thing, he needs to shake off those jitters between the time he's backstage and walks to the fucking cage. Those bright lights are a motherfucker, especially on the biggest stage of them all. And Spicelli, he's a UFC vet in his own right, you know what I mean, with nine fights with the company, this being his 10th. Um, and un being under DC's wing, though, you know what I mean, Win needs to pull a DC and just do what you got to do to get this win. Grind him out. Take him down, grind him out, beat him up, 
if the TKO, you know what I mean, if the ref stops it, gives you the TKO, great, if you could get a submission, great, do that, but do not stand and trade with this guy, uh, going into Spicelli's three keys to victory, number one, going to wins third key to victory, Spicelli has been here and done that before, so there's no jitters for him, and coming back to the UFC after a two-fight KO streak means he's very confident and coming in with the complete intent to win this fight, obviously. Um, he needs to use that in his favor and use that to his advantage. Any case in combat sports where experience trumps talent, it, it, there's there's been many cases, many cases. Um, he needs to make that fight one of those cases, simply put. Second key... Win might be the bigger fighter in sense of muscle mass, you know what I mean? Like the wider fighter, like the you know, broader shoulders, you know? Um, but he is so much taller than Win. Spicelli is coming in with a fucking 7-inch height advantage. Fucking 7 inches. Like I said, um, sorry, I shook the table a little bit. Like I said, Win is 5'5" fighting at fucking middleweight and the craziest part is I, I believe when he fought on the uh the golden boy card he fought that at light heavyweight this guy's a fucking madman dude but I don't think he could make welterweight like he's one of those big bodied motherfuckers he's just very short <laughs> um but luckily for win you know I mean the reach advantage is only two inches for Spicelli but I mean two inches is still a lie if you know how to use it um Spicelli knows how to use it, he knows how to use his hands, he needs to use, uh, you know, the height advantage and utilize head kicks in this fight, fighting the shorter opponent means head kicks will be a lot easier to land, uh, you know, a lot easier to get up there, especially with the fucking 7 inch height advantage, that's fucking, that's, that's, that's unheard of, you know, what I mean, you never, that, you never see these fights every fucking event, um, that's why I can't wait to see this shit, it's, it's gonna be a fun one, um, <sighs> Yeah, and again, in case you were wondering, when is 5-5? Five, five. <laughs> Fucking 5-5, five, five. this is insane. I wish the best for Win, but honestly, I can't see him being immensely successful in the UFC against the top of the top of the division. Um, and again, I don't think he can make 170 either. So, who knows, man. But yeah, Spicelli needs to utilize his size, um, the size mismatch, and strike as much as he can on the feet before getting taken down. Because that's, that's gonna fucking happen. Um... The third key for Spicelli is, I know he's coming in on a two, uh, two-fight KO streak, but he should really try to lock in a sneaky submission when he gets taken down, because he will get taken down, like I said. Spicelli has six of his 12 wins by submission, you know what I mean? Why the fuck not go for number seven? Um, my final pick for this fight, though, I'm going with win by unanimous decision or TKO. I, I think and I hope he's going to come in smart and fight smart and take him to the ground, beat him up, and get the finish somehow. Or, you know, just grind him out all, all three rounds and win it that way. Alright, the next uh, prelim fight that I'm really excited about is the featherweight bout between Dan Ige and Kevin Aguilar. Uh, we're going to go right into it. The last three fights for Dan Ige. He's on a three-fight win streak, two of three being finishes. Uh, the last fight was against Danny Henry. He won that by submission with a rear naked choke in round one. And that was in March 2019. And he got the performance of the night bonus there. Uh, before that, he fought Jordan Griffin. He won that by unanimous decision, and that was in December of 2018. Before that, he fought Mike Santiago, and he won that by TKO in round one in June 2018. Uh, going into Kevin Aguilar's last three fights, he's coming in on a nine-fight win streak. Um, last fight being against uh, Enrique Barzola, who was a very tough motherfucker. He's very tough, rugged dude. 
Um, I thought Aguilera was going to lose that fight. I thought Enrique was just going to, you know, grind him out because that's the type of fighter he is. Um, but Kevin, he won that fight by unanimous decision. And, and that was in March of 2019, early this year. Before that, he fought Rick Glenn. He, he won that by unanimous decision. And that was in November 2018. And that was his UFC debut. Before that, he fought Joey Gomez. And he won that by split decision. And that was in July 2018 on the Dana White Contender Series. Um, we're going to go right into the three keys to victory. We're going to start with Ige. Um, coming right into this fight, he's he's on a three-fight win streak, you know what I mean? And he won this. He, he won the, all three of those fights with his uh, pressure style. The pressure style fighting is like what it is. If if you can implement a pressure style, the, you can control the fight, but you have to keep that pace. Um, he needs to get in this guy's face and stay in it all fight. Get him up against the cage and don't let him keep you at distance. He needs to close the distance with pressure striking, strike two punch combos, and shoot right in and push him up against the cage. Get a takedown if the opportunity presents itself. Danny is always here to fucking fight, man. That's why I always love watching this dude fight. Like I said earlier, um, he's always here to fucking fight. Always here to fight hard, too, and nothing less. And that will be a key factor, I believe. Uh, sorry. Number two key factor for Ige, uh, from the few fights I've seen of Aguilar's, he only uh, he only punches, uh, you know, like straight shots. He only throws straight shots, like straight rights, jabs. Um, he's not much of a fighter who throws hooks or uppercuts. Even he loves the one two, and he loves to throw the one um, the jab one at a time when he does throw it. You know what I mean? Um, he needs to use side to side movement, and I would strike him on the feet with that. I think uh, Ige is a much better striker, and he needs to show that shit in this fight. Usually, Aguilar throws a two-punch combo. He sometimes likes to end it with a left head, uh, with a left head kick. So when Aguilar comes storming in with those punches, he needs to be aware. Uh, he needs to be aware of that kick to uh, that that might follow up, and I think it will follow up. Aguilar loves throwing that one-two right in or the two-one right into a fucking head kick, uh, the left head kick. The number three uh, key. For Ige would be uh, that Aguilar likes to strike um, and he likes to throw uh, uh, switch strikes and likes to switch from orthodox to southpaw in the middle of his strikes before going back to his original stance. So he won't, um, you know, he won't stay in uh, southpaw for too long. It'll literally be like in the middle of his strike where he switches stances and then go right back to his original stance. I think uh, Ige has a speed advantage and when Kevin blitzes in when he strikes, uh, he needs to shoot for a takedown in the middle of that. Um, in, in the middle of the switching stances moving forward uh, with the momentum of his for, uh, forward progression it should result in easy takedowns when he, uh, if and when he times it right um, now we're going to go into uh, Kevin Aguilar's three keys to victory number one going back to Ige's third key to victory Aguilar loves to switch stances during striking I think he needs to do this all fight and try to confuse Ige with these strikes Ige will be in his face all fight like I said not a fate to bang and with the speed advantage I think Aguilar needs to pick his shots and make sure he picks the correct shots, especially if he's going to throw, you know, just two punches at a time um, and not throw wildly when he, you know, especially when he's the slower of the two. You can't throw wildly. Um, number two key to victory for uh, for Aguilar, Ige's game plan will be to pressure all fight. Kevin needs to try to relieve the pressure by pressuring him back. He can't be the fighter getting backed up all fucking fight and expect to win this shit. Um, he cannot, he cannot fight backwards all fight against someone like Ige. He needs to do his own, uh, bullying and pressuring. You know what I'm saying? He needs to fucking back Ige up. 
Uh, number three, he's going to have to throw more than two strikes at a time, going back to the other key. Uh, if he doesn't, he's going to get out-volumed out by Ige, no fucking problem. He can't get too predictable either and just throw straight fucking shots all fight. Mixing front kicks to keep Ige, uh, Ige at bay and slow him down and slow down his relentlessness. He only has one submission victory, so I don't know much about his ground game, but I suggest keeping this shit on the feet. And, um, you know, Ige isn't bad on the ground either. He has four submission games to his, um, you know, four submission victories to his name. So, you know, he can't sleep on Ige on the ground, and I don't know much about Aguilar's uh, ground game, so I can't really say anything there. So he needs to keep this fight standing. Um, that's the only way I think he can win this fight. Um, but, hey, he might surprise me and get a submission or some shit. But my final pick for this fight... I'm picking Ige by decision. I think Ige is just going to out-pressure him and out-volume him all fight and just, just you know, just control it. Well, I think it's going to be unanimous decision, honestly. But, um, yep, that's the two uh, prelim fights that I was most interested in. And now we're going to go right into the main card. Uh, starting off with a middleweight bout between Kevin Holland versus Alessio Echerio. Uh, we're going to go right into the last three fights, starting with Kevin Holland. He fought Gerald Merchart. He won that by split decision in March 2008, uh, 2019, sorry, earlier this year. It was a controversial decision. I honestly thought he lost. He got taken down six times, and I have no fucking idea. Um, yeah, before that, he fought John Phillips. He won that by submission with a rear naked choke in round three of, of November 2018. Before that, he fought the uh, upcoming light heavyweight title challenger Tiago Santos and he lost that by unanimous decision in August 2018 and that was his UFC debut and that's that's fucking crazy to have a fucking debut against Tiago Santos and, and and go all three rounds against that motherfucker that's fucking nuts Tiago Santos fights win or lose his fights don't go three fucking rounds um or five rounds if he's in a five round fight uh, now going into Alessio Diachiro's last three fights not the busiest of fighters. This is his first fight in almost a year. His last fight against Julio Marquez. And he won that by split decision in July 2018. Before that, he fought uh, Oluwey Bamboche. He won that by KO in round 2 in December 2017. And then before that, he fought Sp uh, Eric Spicelli. And he lost that fight. And he lost that by submission with a triangle choke in round 1 of January 2017. As you see, this uh, you know the the gaps in between the years. He's you see he's not the uh, busiest of fighters, and um, that might be a problem. Might not. Let's see. But we're gonna go right into the three keys to victory. We're gonna start with Kevin Holland. Uh, number one, watching his last fight with Mirshar, he came in striking, uh, starting sorry, starting by striking and throwing a lot of kicks before getting taken down almost instantly. But he needs to come in this fight with the same kick game plan and. You know what I mean? Kick up the middle, all fight. Keep this dude away from him because, you know, his takedown defense is fucking atrocious from what I've seen. Um, Holland also has good leg kicks from what I've seen. He's he's dropped a couple people with leg kicks, um, taking them off their feet, you know what I mean? Um, he needs to utilize them early and keep Alessio on the outside with them because Alessio loves his forward lunging strikes. Uh, number two key for Holland, he has to be ready for the fast-paced fight against Alessio who is always throwing strikes and does not take rounds off. Holland better have worked on his fucking gas tank for this fight. If not, he will get picked apart and chopped down and probably finish or just beat up all fucking fight. Um, which is more likely than not because, you know, he's a very tough fighter and, like I said, proved it by going the distance against someone like Tiago Santos. 
Um, yeah, Kevin did get beat the fuck up in that fight, but he still proved his toughness nonetheless, but also proved he doesn't have the best pace or stamina, you know what I mean, past the first round. Uh, he's going to have, uh, going into the number three key, he's going to have to keep this fight striking. Holland proved in many fights that his takedown defense is fucking atrocious. It's almost like he doesn't have any whatsoever. Um, as in he gets taken down whenever the fuck his opponent wants to take him down. And he can't do shit about it. it his last fight against Mirashiri, like I said, he got taken down six times. Um, you know, his takedown defense is, sh like, horrible. But his submission defense is very fucking good. Um, he always seems to get out of fucking tight submissions, uh, submission attempts when they're locked in somehow. Very tight submission attempts, and he somehow gets, like, finds a way out of it. Um, before an, er uh, you know, besides an early career fight where he did get submitted, but that was, that was an early career fight. But, again, he gets taken down a fucking lot, regardless. But he, he cannot allow that, this fight, but, I, you, you know what I mean, you can't. You can't just fucking get better at your takedown defense like that, you know what I mean? So I don't think, I don't think it's gonna change. I don't think there's gonna be any change in this fight. I think he's gonna get taken down anyways. Um, going into Alessio D. Achiro's, Achiro's the fuck, Alessio D. Achiro's three keys to victory. Number one, makes this a very technical fight. He needs to stay on his bike and move all fight. He can't stay in front of Holland and try to go blow for blow. I think he'll get his fucking ass knocked stiff if he does that. Um, he needs to, like, utilize his striking because he's very good at it, but usually he has the most success when he's lunging forward with the strikes, like I mentioned in one of Holland's keys to victories. But re the reason he lunges forward is because he likes to, like, get close distance quickly and get the opponent to think that he's going to throw more strikes as he gets close, uh, as he gets closer. But once he gets close enough, he wraps the opponent up and usually, um, pushes him up, up against the cage and works that takedown and gets them down from there. Um, which goes into my second key to victory for Alessio, which is get the fucking takedown. Alessio is very good at securing the takedown and real good with the top pressure when he gets the takedown. Um, he, uh, heavy pressure, you know what I mean, when he's on top. And he's going to, he's going against someone who is not good at defending the takedown at all. So get that fucking takedown, secure top position, and rain down heavy shots, um, like he usually does. Uh, number three key fight smart like i said in number one makes this a technical fight he needs to get holland exhausted with top pressure when he gets the takedown and just throw heavy and calculated ground and pound do not go for the submission as i said holland has very very good submission defense but the fucking takedown defense is fucking garbage so to put it simple take him down beat him up my final pick for that fight is alessio by unanimous decision or a tko uh, moving on, uh, we got a woman's flyweight bout between Andrea Lee versus Montana De La Rosa, and we're gonna go right into the three last fights, starting with Andrea Lee, she's on a six-fight win streak with three finishes, uh, last fight was against Ashley Evans-Smith, she won that fight by unanimous decision in February of 2019, early this year, before that, she fought Veronica Macedo, uh, she won that fight by unanimous decision, and that was her UFC debut, and that was in May 2018. Before that, she fought Jamie Thornton. And she won that fight by submission with a Kimura in round two in September 2017. Uh, and she defended the LFA title in that fight. Moving on to Montana De La Rosa's last three fights. She's on a four-fight win streak all by submission. Uh, yeah, she's a machine when it comes to the submissions. 
Uh, her last fight was against Nadia Kasim. She won that fight with a submission by armbar in round two in February 2019. Before that, fought Rachel Ostevic. She won that fight by submission with a rear naked choke in round three of July 2018. Before that, she fought Christina Marks, and she won, uh, she won that with a submission by armbar in round one in December 2017, and that was her UFC debut. We're going to go right into it, get into the three keys to victory, starting with Andrea Lee. Number one, she cannot just stand right in front of Montana and just, you know, win throwing strikes. I've noticed when she wants to throw punches, she literally just stays in one spot when she throws the punches. She's not one to, um, she's not one to punch while moving. She stands right in front of Montana like that. She's going to get taken down rather easily. And she, she needs to win this fight with striking, but she needs to keep, like, moving. She cannot stand right in front of her like that. Uh, she needs to be on the move all fight. And, um, She's pretty decent with her jab and actually pretty underrated with her boxing, in my opinion. So she needs to keep this shit standing and keep uh, Montana on the outside with those jabs all fight, but not be a stationary boxer at the same time. Uh, Montana loves to strike as well and throw blitzing, like lunging shots, but only to pressure the opponent up against the cage and, um, you know, to get the takedown and work her submission game from there. If Andrea can time when Montana blitzes, she needs to circle away every fucking time uh, away from the fence. Every fucking time she needs to circle away. Every time she feels like she's getting, um, you know, backed up closer to the fence. Circle. Circle out. Second key to victory. She has a very good leg kick and she needs to slow Montana down with them. Every time Montana tries to get too close, she needs to either chop that leg or circle the fuck out as soon as possible, like I said earlier. Um, because if she gets taken down and ends up in a bad position, it's pretty much over from there. Uh, the number three key to victory for Andrea Lee, um... Going back to the last key, her takedown defense has to be on point this fight. Montana is a submission queen, and if this if if Andrea gets taken down, I don't see anything positive coming out of this for Andrea. Keep this shit standing in the middle of the cage too. Uh, period. Don't get pushed back. If she gets pushed back, circle out and get right back into the middle of the fucking cage. Montana is relentless, and if she gets the pressure going, it's pretty much a snowball effect from there, and she builds on it. Uh, now going into Montana De La Rosa's three keys to victory. One, do exactly what made her successful, um, you know, her last six fights where, where she's been winning by uh, submission. Utilize her willingness to, uh, to stand and bang until she finds an opening to shoot in and get her opponent up against the cage to work a takedown. And then um, going back to Lee's keys to victory, I said Montana loves to rush in throwing blitz and strikes to get the opponent to... Um, you know, to think that she's just going to keep striking and then she just ducks down and shoots in for the fucking takedown. But she needs to be cautious when blitzing this fight because Andrea, like I said, is a better striker. And, um, you know, what I mean, Montana's last fight was against Nadia Kasim, who isn't much of a striker. You know what I mean? So she, she could get away with that against uh, the blitzing shit. She could get away with that with someone against uh, someone like Kasim. Um, someone like Andrea Lee, probably not. But if you throw it just to get the takedown go ahead but um yeah if she blitzes she has to throw uh only two strikes so two strikes before going for that fucking takedown um one two you know what i mean throw some hooks two shots and then duck under go for that fucking takedown um don't get sloppy though because like i said andrea lee's boxing is pretty fucking underrated and you know what i mean you could very well get countered um number two key for Montana is get the takedown early in the rounds and especially overwhelm uh overwhelmly with the takedowns and the uh, relentlessness 
almost like the Khabib effect. There's no need to try and stand and, um, you know, keep this fight striking when clearly she has the ground and submission advantage. Strikes, you know, she, she strikes very little on the feet, but when she does, she throws those fucking blitzing, fucking lunging shots. Don't do that too much. Get that takedown and look for an opening for that submission. Going, um... Number three key, going back to the takedowns, it needs to be a heavy takedown fight for Montana. I can't stress it enough. If she gets a takedown and Andrea is able to get back up, Montana has to go for a fuck up. She has to fight for another fucking takedown right away and work for a submission all over again. Um, if she doesn't keep control of this fight, it could very well get carried away and it could get out of hand and Andrea Lee can definitely like you know start to manage to pick her apart and win this fight on the feet. But my final pick for that fight, I'm going with Montana De La Rosa by submission. I mean, you you can't deny her when it comes to the submission game, and I think uh, this is this is going to be another one. Uh, moving on, it is a welterweight bout between Brian Barberena versus Randy Rudeby Brown. <laughs> Fucking Christ! Uh, we're gonna go right into the last three fights, starting with Brian Barberena. His last three fights, last one going against Vicente Luque. Fucking war. He lost that fight by TKO, but that was in round three. They went at it for all three rounds until it ended. And that was in um, February 2019, and that got fight of the night, as it fucking should have. Uh, before that, he fought Jake Ellenberger, and he won that fight by TKO in round one. And that was in August 2018. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think Ellenberger retired after that fight. I could be wrong. But uh, before that fight, he fought Leon Edwards. He lost that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in September 2017. Randy, I'm not gonna do it. Randy Brown's last three fights, <laughs> he um he went against Nico Price, and he lost that fight by KO in round two, in uh, July 2018. Before that, he fought Mickey Gall. He won that fight by unanimous decision in November 2017. Before that, he fought uh, Bilal Mohammed. Big fan of Bilal Mohammed. He's that fucking dude. Fucking hilarious on Twitter. If you don't follow him, follow him. <laughs> uh, he lost that fight by unanimous decision. Shout out Bilal. Um, and that was in February of 2017. We're going to go right into the three keys to victory. Starting with Brian Barberena. Number one key would be make this fucking fight a brawl. Barbarena is the better striker, and Barbarena has shown his ability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with opponents and take big fucking strikes. Brown is a great pressure fighter in his own right, but when he's when he's the one getting pressured, he usually breaks and slows down a decent amount, um, and it's very noticeable. Number two key for Barbarena would be be very aware for the takedowns. Brown is coming in, uh, coming into this fight after getting viciously knocked out by Nico Price with fucking hammer fists. When Nico was on the fucking bottom. You know what I mean? Some might think that uh, uh, Brown might come into this fight and just want to keep the standing because of that. But Barbarena doesn't have the same power in his hands like Nico does. Because Nico has some fucking like weird power in his hands. Pretty unexplainable. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think he has the same power in his hands to do something like that. And honestly, fucking getting KO'd with hammer fists from an opponent when you are when you're on top uh, that's that's a very fucking rare thing to ever happen in MMA and I don't I don't think I can even name the last time I ever witnessed that um <laughs> yeah but the number 3 key to victory for Barbarena is when on the feet he needs to be cautious of Randy's reach um Randy's coming in with a big 5 and a half reach advantage uh 5 and a half inch reach advantage 
and Barbarina needs to get on the inside with the shots and try not to throw hooks from too far of a distance as he could get countered really easily uh, with that kind of reach difference. Randy isn't much of a counter puncher like that. Uh, or he's or you know I mean he's not even the best with the jab like he should be um so Barbarina should be worried he, I mean he should not be worried on the feet like that regardless but you never know how much Randy you know he, how much he how much he's gotten better and progressed since uh his last fight over a year ago almost a year ago against Nico going into uh the three keys to victory for Randy Brown now number one uh opposite of Barbarina's first key to victory don't let Barbarina make this a brawl. Fight smart as fuck. Barbarina loves to fight, um, you know, how his last name sounds, like a fucking barbarian. Randy needs to use that aggressiveness to um, his advantage and catch Brian when he is, like, leaving openings for takedowns in the middle of throwing strikes. He needs to take advantage of that and get that fucking takedown. Um, I'm going to mix key two and three together here for uh, Randy. Uh, fight Barbarina exactly how Colby Covington and Leon Edwards fought Barbarina which is wrestling first, and overwhelm him with shots on the ground after. Barbarina does good in, um, you know, he does good and wins most of his fights when it's a stand-up banger, besides his last fight with Luke. but Luke has been knocking dudes dead, like, recently, the last few years, and, uh, Brian fought his fucking ass off before taking, you know what I mean, like, uh, the shot that he couldn't take anymore. Um, he was taking a lot of punishment that fight before he went down. Uh, yeah, pressure Barbarina all fight, but be ready for the big looping shots. Uh, and when they come, shoot for that takedown and use the momentum of, uh, you know, Brian moving forward. Use that momentum advantage. Uh, use that momentum to your advantage and get that takedown. It should be a lot easier with the momentum. Uh, when on top, stay on top. Grind this fight out. Uh, exactly how um, Kobe Covington and uh, Leon Edwards fought Brian, like I said. Brian, uh, he needs to make this a brawl to win. And Randy needs to make this a boring fight to win. Uh, he has the reach advantage, like I said, but fuck all that. Randy isn't that much of a striker like that. And, you know what I mean? that He's not much of a striker where he utilizes his reach like he should, like I said. Um, in this fight, though, I mean, it'd be stupid not to try, at least, you know? Uh, but my final pick, I'm going with Randy Brown by decision. I'm hoping and thinking he's going to come in and fight smart. And, you know, grind uh, grind out Bar uh, Brian Barbarina for the win. Um, probably a unanimous decision, too. But, hey, you never know. Brian's a fucking warrior, and he could definitely pull that fight off as well. But I'm going with uh, Randy. Um, the co-main event, moving on to the co-main event, it is a bantamweight co-main. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm just repeating myself. Sorry, guys. Um, it is a, one more time, bantamweight co-main event again, uh, between John Lineker and Rob Font. This is a rematch from 2016 where Lineker won that fight uh, by unanimous decision. Um, we're gonna go right into it. The last three fights for John Lineker. Uh, he fought Corey Sandhagen. He lost that fight by split decision in uh, April 2019. Um, I honestly thought it could have been a unanimous decision for Corey, but um, yeah, who knows? Uh, Brian, and then before that, Lineker fought Brian Callagher. He, he won that fight by KO in round three, and that was in May 2018. Before that, he fought Marlon Vera, and he won that by unanimous decision, and that was in October 2017. Um, yeah, those, I mean, nah, nah, we'll get into it. We're going to go into the three last fights for Rob Font. He, uh, last fight was against Sergio Pettis. He won that by unanimous decision, and that was in December of 2018. Before that, he fought Rafael Sunsau, but he lost that fight and by unanimous decision in July 2018. 
Before that, he fought Thomas Almeida, and he won that by KO in round two in January 2018. Uh, we're going to get right into the three keys to victory, starting with John Lineker. Number one, come into this fight with the mindset of, I beat this motherfucker once already, I should be able to do it again. But at the same time, don't come in cocky. You know what I mean? There's a big difference in the two. Uh, number two, um, Rob will come into this fight with a completely different game plan. You know what I mean? Uh, he's not going to come into this fight, uh, you know, starstruck and fucking shook like he did the first fight. Not shook, but frozen, kind of, you know? Um, he's going to have a completely different game plan uh, than the first fight. Uh, so Lineker better be prepared for a long three-round fight, I think. Yes, he won the first fight by decision, but a lot of it was a mix of Lineker being on top with ground and pound, and when Lineker was on the feet back in Font's up all fight, um, but he wasn't throwing strikes unless there were like counter shots to when Font wanted to throw. Uh, but that's, this was all, this was while Font was backing up throwing them. So every single time Font did decide to throw, that's when uh, Lineker decided to throw, which was only counters. So I mean, it helped him preserve his gas tank. You know what I mean? Um, the number three key to, vic uh, key to victory for Lineker is fight Rob almost exactly how we fought him the first time by being patient, uh, pick his shots and pick his strikes just like the first time. Don't get overly aggressive, but don't only throw counter shots all fight when on the feet. You know what I mean? He has to mix it up a little better than that. It's different judges since that last fight, so who knows how they see this one if he, if he just only throws counter shots, uh, especially if Fontes is a lot busier this fight. Um, but regardless, cardio, his cardio better be ready, um, as we've seen Lineker isn't the, you know, the heaviest gas tank motherfucker, he gasses out, he gasses out, so he needs to be ready because Rob is a relentless and a tricky, uh, type of fighter, and when he gets it going, which, it, when he gets it going, it is a nightmare for the stationary and flat-footed type of fighter like Lineker is, uh, going into three keys to victory for Rob Font. Number one is this should be the perfect fight for Rob. He's gained a lot more experience and became a lot more comfortable since their first fight. Uh, the first fight was Rob's uh, third fight in the UFC and was a huge step up in competition. So maybe he froze up like I like I think, and um, you know from the pressure of the fight itself and the you know the level of competition, and um, you know but who knows? Regardless, he cannot fight this fight how he did that one where he was getting pressured and backed up just about every second of the fight. Uh, in this fight, he needs to be the one throwing fucking punches, you know what I mean? And, um, uh, sorry, he needs to have the forward pressure, you know, throwing punches, but he needs to fucking move. He needs to be on his fucking bike. Uh, in the first fight, he was just throwing only two punches at a time while backing up, and Lineker was countering him all fucking fight. This fight, this fucker needs to throw more volume while backing up, but you cannot back up all the way to the fucking cage, uh, you know, this fight like he did in the first. Stay light on your feet and use the side-to-side -side movement all fight. I can't stress that enough for this fight. Side-to-side -side movement will be key for this fight for Rob. Um, not only forward and back movement, you know what I mean? The the mo uh, the moment he, he gets maybe three feet from the cage, circle the fuck out and get right back to the middle of the fucking octagon. Uh, number two key for Rob, uh, with a four and a half reach advantage and a fucking five inch reach, uh, height advantage, he needs to keep Lineker on the outside all fucking fight. Front kicks up the middle to the body and, uh, the face all fight, especially the body to fatigue him quicker as, like I said, Lineker isn't, uh, isn't known for, you know, his gas tank. Keep him at bay. Uh, 
Lineker has no sort of fucking jab at all. He only throws looping fucking hooks and, you know, counter hooks when he lunges forward. Uh, whether it be to the body or up top, all he throws is fucking hooks. Uh, they call him hands of stone for a reason because he just throws power shots. Uh, every fucking time he tries to get close with those fucking shots, a circle away to the fucking left every fucking time because he loves to rely on that right hook and maybe a little too much. Um, if he doesn't have success with it, you know what I mean? He honestly has nothing unless he's fighting lower level competition. Um, the number three key to victory, uh, pretty much implement EPO. I mean, uh, TJ Dillashaw's game plan <laughs> when he fought Lineker. Stay light on the feet all fight. Never stay in front of John for too long. Always fucking move. And most importantly, when Lineker lunges forward with those looping hooks, if you don't circle away to the left, like I said in uh, the last key, then duck under and shoot for that fucking takedown like TJ did in his fight uh, when he fought Lineker. TJ used, um, he used Lineker's heavy-footed momentum when lunging forward to the, uh, to his advantage with those takedowns, leaving John's body in the wrong position even to, to even try to stuff the fucking takedown. Do the same and use the aggressiveness and the predictability in Lineker's strikes to your advantage. And this should be a much different and much easier fight than the first one. Uh, my final pick for this fight, I'm going with Rob Font by unanimous decision. Um, but who knows, who knows. But I, I think Rob's going to come in with a lot more experience, obviously. And I think he's going to do the, he made the right adjustments for this rematch. And, um, you know, he's going to win this fight. Alright, moving on, we are going to the main event. It is a featherweight five-rounder between the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung versus Hinata Moikano. This fight is fucking nuts. Fucking bananas. This is going to be fucking wild. I can't wait to see this shit. Um, it is probably not going to go the fucking distance, honestly. Especially because it's five fucking rounds. These dudes are just bangers. Um very fan-friendly fight gonna be fucking dope if you if you're not excited for this fucking fight you're not an mma fan i don't want to fucking hear that shit uh we're gonna go right into the last three fights starting with the korean zombie last fight was against uh yair rodriguez uh probably gonna get i, I think it was fight of the year last year um and he lost that fight by ko in round five literally in the last second of the fucking fight and four minutes and 59 seconds of round five, he got fucking, he got caught slipping with a fucking ridiculous, uh, fucking reverse elbow, and, uh, he got knocked fucking stiff, um, yeah, that was in November 2018, and, yeah, like I said, he was winning, I, I, he was winning that fucking fight, he was winning all fight until that literal end, uh, before that, he fought Dennis Bermudez, and this was his return from military service, matter of fact, uh, he won that fight by KO in round one, and that was in February 2017, uh, after that fight, he actually tore his ACL, and that's why, um, you know, he had to take a uh, year off, um, you know, and before the, uh, uh Yair Rodriguez fight, uh, before the Dennis Bermudez fight, though, he fought Jose Aldo, and he lost that fight by TKO, in round four and that was for the uh, featherweight title and that was in august 2013 uh like i said he had to uh get deployed for the military and yeah he took a lot of time off and in that fight he uh he dislocated his shoulder and even tried to <laughs> somehow tried to keep fighting but could not take the pain any longer and uh got finished by tko um going on to the last three fights uh for hanato moikano last fight familiar opponent in the boat in the two 
Uh, he fought uh, Jose Aldo and he lost that fight by TKO. I predicted that motherfucker. People call me crazy. <laughs> Man, yeah, fucking. He lost that fight by TKO in round two, and that was in February 2019. Before that, he fought Cub Swanson and he won that fight by submission, and that was in uh, August 2018. Sorry, he won that with a rear naked choke in round one, and that was in August 2018. Uh, before that, he fought Calvin Qatar, very tough opponent. Uh, and he won that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in April of 2018. Gonna get right into the three keys to victory. We're gonna start with uh, Moicano. I'm gonna uh, number one. I'm gonna start with he's he's a much better fluid striker of the two on the feet. Uh, not saying Korean Zombie's not good on, uh, good with the striking because he he really is. But Hanato is the uh, he's the better fluid striker. If you know what I mean, if if you know what I'm saying. Um, Hinato throws very nice combos that sometimes end with sneaky body shots or a chopping leg kick and has a very good stiff uh, jab as we've seen in the Cub Swanson fight where he actually dropped Cub with the jab before he uh, got the submission. Granted, yes, this was like, you know, beginning of the downfall of Cub, you know, if, if you say, um, but you can't really take that accomplishment away from Hinato because it's still Cub regardless. Um, he lands beautiful jabs every fight he has. Even in the Aldo fight, he was landing really good jabs before getting rocked and finished. Um, the number two key is the Korean Zombie lives up to his fucking nickname. He takes big shots and just moves forward no matter what. Um, even when rocked, uh, he still moves forward and it's fucking psycho. <laughs> In this fight, I 1000% see him getting rocked by Moicano, but um, when that happens... Moicano has to jump on him and go for the fucking kill. You cannot let Korean Zombie recover after getting rocked. Um, you know what I mean? Because he gets better after that happens. He's one of those fighters, almost like uh, almost in a Tony Ferguson type of way. But, um, you know, completely different at the same time, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, if that makes sense. Uh, it, it should make sense to you if you... <laughs> Fuck you. Um, Tony gets hurt. And comes forward full assassin mode after while Korean Zombie composes himself and fights more technical and slow paced. But, um, you know, they both get better after they get hurt. Uh, not a slow pace, but, you know, slow when you compare it to Tony's style after getting hurt. <laughs> uh, the number three key for my condo, I say don't worry about getting the takedown or worry about getting taken down yourself. I think this will be on the feet just about all fucking fight. If any takedowns do happen, it'll be after one of the two get rocked. And uh, try to recover by wrapping up the opponent for the takedown. Um, use the volume striking advantage and put the combos together uh, like he usually does. And get the zombie thinking a little too much on what strikes will come next. And catch him slipping big time with even more punches. Throwing, uh, you know what I mean, thrown with the follow-up. Volume will be everything for Morcano this fight, I believe. Um, going into the three keys to victory for Korean Zombie. Number one being, he has to somehow keep up with the pace of Moicano, which is a lot easier said than done. Moicano is one of the busiest fighters on the feet, and uh, Chung is, uh, Jung is uh, he's more of a counter striker and has a lot of success with it, but only against either the shorter opponent or against opponents who isn't sharp on the feet when regard uh, you know when regarding the hands. Moicano is neither. Moicano is the taller fighter, and as I said. And in his, in his keys to victory, he is a much more fluid and uh, cleaner striker of the two. So Zombie cannot rely on uh, the counter shots this fight as Morcano's volume of strikes that he's going to throw will, damn, will be damn near impossible to counter unless it's literally a perfectly timed shot. 
the number two key would be head movement uh, it will be a big key for Korean Zombie again there will be multiple strikes thrown at him at a time and he needs to be ready for that shit he needs to uh, make majority of those shots miss if he just keeps eating combos he's going to get completely picked apart until the, uh, until the end of the fight whether it being stopped or whether it goes all five rounds um, he has he has decent head movement like I said he has good counter shots but this this is not the fighter that's going to throw one or two shot combos. Mokano will throw three, four, or five shot combos. He needs to be ready for it, and uh, he needs he needs to be ready to try to throw that perfect counter right uppercut that he loves to throw. Um, he's very good at that. He, he loves that right uppercut. Uh, the third key to victory uh, for the Korean Zombie would be pull a Jose Aldo and target Mokano's bodies from the opening round to slow his movement down and uh, just slow him down in general. If you beat up the body enough, he will start to fatigue big time, and uh, he won't be able to stay light on his feet and move around uh, all five rounds, uh, or even be able to throw his usual number of strikes. Body shots are a motherfucker, um, especially to the uh, to the type of fighter that that stays busy on the feet and always moves. You beat up the body, they're not going to be moving like that all fucking fight. Um, this being a five round fight, the best thing to do is, you know, what I mean, beat that body up all fucking fight. Don't even worry about trying to knock him out, uh, you know, with headshots. Um, the f I mean, especially the first three rounds, beat that body up at least, you know what I mean? And then when he starts to slow uh, slow down, then you start picking it up and then, you know what I mean, uh, uh, you know, throwing strikes up top. But at the same time, attack the fucking body as much as you possibly fucking can. Uh, you know, so it kind of, um, kind of like how Moicano does at the end of his, uh, at the end of his combos. He likes to throw body shots. Uh, Korean Zombie has to do that, I believe. Body shots will be a big factor for Korean Zombie in this fight. Um, but my final pick for this fight is Moicano, man, by TKO or KO. I, I, I want the Korean Zombie to win as I'm a big fan of his. You know, I mean, you can't not be a fucking big fan of the Korean Zombie. You know what I mean? Um, I would love for him to win. But as I, uh, you know, I've emphasized a lot in the fucking breakdown, um, Moicano's volume, it's so fucking much, and he's he's just a better fluid striker. Uh, I think he's just going to pick him apart. I think he's just going to pick him apart until the ref stops it or until he just completely obliterates him all fucking five rounds. But it's the Korean zombie, and you, you can never sleep on that fucking man. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I'm going with, uh, going with Moicano by KO or TKO, but I will be happy as shit if Korean Zombie can pull it off and prove me wrong, I'll be I'll be 100% okay with that, oh, my bad, fucking move the table again, gotta get a new table up, apparently, um, alright, that was the breakdown for, uh, for UFC Fight Night 154, Korean Zombie versus Hinata Moikano, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, um, we're gonna go real quick, talk uh, talk about the uh, three recent combat sports news that happened that I learned about today. Number one is Valentina Shevchenko. She will be defending her woman's flyweight title against Liz Carmouche on August 10th in Uruguay. This will be a rematch from their fight that they had in 2010, uh, fucking nine years ago, where Liz won that fight by TKO via Dr. Stoppage in the second round. But um, it was a very controversial fight, um, a very controversial stoppage too, as uh. A lot of the people in the arena, a lot of reporters, journalists, and media, they a lot of them said that it was an elite, uh, that Carmouche was landing illegal strikes. Uh, you know, what I mean that was um, that led to the doctor stoppage. 
but there was nothing done about it, you know, nothing was overturned or anything. Uh, Liz was originally scheduled to fight Roxanne Mataferi in UFC San Antonio, I believe next month, but now um, with this change, Roxanne is now set to face Jennifer Maya. Um, UFC is fucking ridiculous sometimes, they have no idea what the fuck they're doing sometimes, but um, I, I, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, the number two recent combat sports news is UFC is returning to the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. It's pretty dope, it's not that far, I might, I might go there. Um, there's no, um, there's no fight scheduled yet, but the last time that they, that they were there was, uh, on August, um, no, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> they're gonna be there in August, the last time that they were there was in 2016, when, uh, Rumble Johnson fought Ryan Bader, and won that fight by knockout, uh, yeah, I might be there, sounds, sounds like a fucking plan, Stan, number three, news, uh, Juliana Pena, uh, woman's, uh, bantamweight fighter she will be making her return to the cage on somewhat short notice to take on former woman's flyweight champ nico montano uh this is pena's first fight since she lost to Val- the now champ valentina shevchenko in 2017 um which was her first pro loss in her career after after that she took time off to have a baby and start a family um you know now she's coming in and it's reported that uh Sarah McMahon got injured and that's why um Juliana is going to take this fight with Nico um it's about two weeks ago uh, two weeks away about yeah it's about two weeks away a little over two weeks away um yeah it's a good matchup uh I'm not a big fan of either honestly uh <laughs> but it's a good fight. It's a good fight for the division because they need they need um fresh faces. Uh, Juliana Pena was the ban- uh, fighting a bantamweight, but this is her flyweight debut, I believe. Um, yeah. So, yep. This was episode six, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I have fun breaking it down for you guys. I got really into it. This was fucking fourteen pages of notes that I had. Um, I had a lot of fun breaking this whole event down. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, yeah, all the subscribers already, I appreciate every fucking single one of you, everybody, uh, all of the supporters, everybody who's been sharing so far, you already know how fucking grateful I am, I can't say it enough, and I'm, I'm gonna keep fucking saying it, you might get annoyed, but man, I am so fucking appreciative of all you guys, it's not even fucking funny, I can't, I, I can't stop talking about it, it's, it's overwhelming, honestly, you know what I mean, I didn't think the support would be like this as you know how big uh, how much support i've gotten so far uh let's keep it going please um this show wouldn't be shit without you guys uh i appreciate you guys again and um yeah i'll see you guys in episode seven fuck episode seven shit it's gonna be crazy I'm, i don't know what i'm gonna do for episode 10 hopefully there's a hopefully there's a really really good event for that but uh all right guys i'll see you guys then take care have a good night And if you're listening to this tomorrow morning, good morning, motherfucker. (laughs) Have a good day. All right. Regardless, take care, everybody. I'll see you guys episode seven. This is Nabi Podcast. I am your host, Sani Nabi. I am out, bitches. Toodaloo, motherfucker.